HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's July 15th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We've got a very special show. It's the middle of the sixth annual July Good Beer Month in New York City. And for this show, we decided we're going to focus on how great and thriving the New York City craft beer scene is. We've got home brewers, chefs from a brewery, brewers, and bar owners here, all from the five boroughs in New York City. Bronx, I can't even say them all, Bronx, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. And uh, most people don't always think that there's all five boroughs. But we've got uh, Representatives Ken uh, from Kilmyers, one of the oldest bars in New York City from the south of Staten Island. Thanks for coming on, Ken. Thank you. And uh, Catherine is one of the managers and the, and the, the partner at Blind Tiger, another great beer bar in New York City. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming me, on. So you guys here, we, we first started the Good Beer Seal and, and uh, July Good Beer Month uh, 2009. It's grown a lot. We've got representative bars in, in each of the five boroughs. But now we have uh, breweries as well in all five boroughs. So what, what has it been like for you, Ken? I mean, you've been in business over 20 years, and Catherine, long time. What, what, what are you seeing some of the changes in New York City craft beer scene? Well, um, a lot of beers that uh, years ago, like I, I always use pumpkin beer as an example because I'm a German restaurant, so every October we, we have fun with the beer menu. I couldn't give pumpkin beer away 15 years ago. I'd see guys at the bar. One of them would buy one like on a dare, and they'd all pass it around to their friends, you know. But now I sell out pumpkin beer. We have pumpkin beer from, um, uh, from Long Island that, that just uh, – uh, Oh, I, I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, uh, Greenport um, Autumn Beer. Uh, it's a pumpkin uh, beer from yeah Greenport Harbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 beer is so popular. Uh, you know, I sell it out. I reorder it keg after keg every year in the beer garden. Great. We, and we also got Marcus from Rockaway Brewing here. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about his special video. They're they're launching a Kickstarter to get a canning canning facility set up at, at their brewery, and he's passing out a beer right now. And Marcus, how are you? What, what beer are we drinking? Uh, the beer I'm passing out is uh, Summer Saison. It's actually based on a Kolsch recipe. So it's, it's nice. Uh, it's we got nice a lot of people coming on the show tonight. Uh, right now, we got Marcus from Rockaway Brewing, uh, Ken from Kilmyers, and, and Catherine from Blind Tiger in the studio, and, and quite a few other people are going to join us in a few minutes. So, Catherine, what about for you? How long have you been uh, working at and then now managing and owning the Blind Tiger? Well, I started working for these guys uh, in 2000 uh, when I started working at the Collins Bar. And then when the Collins Bar closed down and the Blind Tiger had to close down for a year and reopen on Bleecker Street in 2007, that's when I switched over to the Blind Tiger. And I've been general manager there for about three years. 
and now I'm a managing partner. So that's super exciting for me in the craft beer world. But more generally, I think what's really exciting about what's been going on in New York is that you know every day you'll hear about something new that's happening. Maybe someone's getting a canning line. Maybe someone is growing hops in New York. Maybe it's a new brewery who's coming in to pitch you. And you know, just every single day, there's more and more stuff that's going on that makes me super excited just to be involved in this world. All right. Let's cut to the chase. So, Marcus, uh, tell us about your canning Kickstarter because that's a new thing, too. In, in one month, uh, Yonkers Brewing, our buddies up in Yonkers, they put out a Kickstarter to finance a tasting room. And then a few days later, I got, I got yours. Yeah, our, basically we're doing a Kickstarter campaign to try to raise $30,000 for our a canning line, a small canning line, which would be a semi-auto canning line. We feed the cans on one side and then fill it up and then hand sort of package it the other side and put it in our fridge. We're self-distributing, so it would still be a very small operation. But it's just a great way to keep beer fresh and, and also distribute it locally. And then uh, how is it going for you guys? I mean, I know you, you're brewing in Long Island City. You're expanding the tasting room. But you guys really just started as homebrewers as well, right? You and your buddy Ethan? Yeah, I mean, Ethan were homebrewers just five years ago. Um, actually, our first sort of debut was here on your radio show, Jimmy. We, uh, it was about two years Woo. ago. We were... Uh, I think we were still brewing on uh, a Sabco, so our size system, 15, 15 gallons at a time, and we brought a couple of corny kegs down here. Uh, since then, we've gone to a two-barrel system, really worked that out for two years, got out in the market, and um, got enough sales to get a bank to give us a loan. Now we have a five-barrel system, about the same size as Barrier out in, in Long Island. And um, yeah, it's just going well. It's just growing kind of naturally. We, you know, we don't have any investors, so me and Ethan just sort of take whatever profits we have and put them back in the, in the business. And it's, it's growing slowly. We're at a really good time here in New York City. We're really excited to be part of the movement. Yeah, and, and the video is really great for your, your Kickstarter. We're doing a beer film night on July 29th. You can go to goodbrewsteel.com. It's $15. You can get beers from Five Away, Gasser Brewery, Rockaway, and Six Point. We've got uh, five different shorts. Uh, we've got Beer Nation TV's the premiere of their new show, uh, Happy Hour Guys, a new episode, and some special videos from Sierra Nevada, Six Point, and, and Rockaway. And it was a pretty awesome video. I mean, it, it shows you and your, your bicycle, and uh, it, it was more art than uh, just pitching, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, Kickstarter is kind of a trip. You know, you have to really come at it with uh, you know, a new kind of angle. You know, with, It's not like you want to make produce a big film or something. You just sort of... I think people just want to see from the heart, like what you're doing and, and how you do it. So I just got a, you know, I'm a cameraman by trade, uh, my other my other job, and so I just got a camera and stuck it on my bicycle and rode around with a pint of uh, beer around the city and <clears throat> just sort of trying to make it fun and talk about the story of us coming up through the ranks uh, in the last couple of years brewing and really making our business work. And if you check out our Kickstarter campaign, it's up right now. We're um, about a third of the way through, we got raised nine thousand dollars from one hundred and fifty don- donors. Uh, we have another twenty thousand to go. Uh, we're about halfway through, so we're just pushing all week to try to get more promotion and get people to come. There's like you know you can get stuff like pint glasses and bottle openers and t-shirts. Um, really, t-shirts from, from Rockway Brewing. <laughs> Maybe we should so do a t-shirt check, giveaway, Maggie. Please check it out; it'd be super cool. To who, who, if, we, if we tweet, whoever tweets, Maggie's going to tweet a question. This, we did this last week; it took a while for people to get it. She's going to tweet out a question about what's going on in New York City beer, and uh, whoever answers her correctly first will get a Rockaway T-shirt. How about that? Okay. And uh, check good. out the Kickstarter. So, Sounds good. Cheers to you, man. Good luck. Uh, we're trying to showcase all these different things that are happening cheers. in July and the, the diverse world of craft beer. And, and Ken, w- what are some of the New York City beer breweries that you've had at your bar, Kilmeyer's in Staten Island? Well, I'm actually thinking about doing a, a, a festival this uh, fall just called Made in New York, just to support the local people because there's so many of us now. We have a, a, a new uh, brewery on Staten Island, first time in a long time, which is uh, the flagship brewery. And um, I'm carrying their um, uh, American Pale Ale right now. They only have, they're not even set up yet with canning or bottling or anything like that, but uh, it's doing very, very well for me. Um, in fact, I was going to comment before that uh, I, one of the things that I find interesting in the last 20 years since my uh, first joint opened up is uh, how cans the, have become the technology in canning beverages or whatever has improved so much that now it's it's there's so many of them around and it, it's great for me because out in my beer garden I don't have to worry about breaking glass and it's also a higher quality of beer and people now understand that that the beer in the cans is is, is still good beer where it used to be kind of frowned upon. So now I know Six Point's been doing cans for a while, Kelso and soon Rockaway. Catherine, do you carry any cans at Blind Tiger? 
you know, we just started carrying one can. We rotate a can in. Wait, I'm going to Everybody who's here with beer, you have to start <laughs> pouring beer and sharing it. Everyone's looking at me like, what's it's going on? Thing. And uh, Mark is the only one that poured beer so far. So I'm going to keep talking about Rockaway Summer Saison. It's pretty good. <laughs> It is. But yeah, no, the can's interesting. Um, you know, we, we rotate our draft list, and so now we, you know, we have one rotational can, and it kind of depends on what's out right now and, you know, what's new and fresh and pe- that people are interested in. We did a lot of the Stillwater Classic. I think we're on to the Cigar City Highlight at this very moment. We did. Uh, Cigar City has cans, too. They sure do. The Highlighting wow. can, yeah. yeah. We were on a talk a few weeks ago with Southern Living, and uh, we were talking to Cigar City and... and who else? Westbrook and some other guys from oh, yeah. the south. Yeah, Westbrook has great uh, has a really popular can that you can hardly get because they sell out the Westbrook Gosa. Mm-hmm. So you really you really have a, such a, a wide variety of beer there. I mean, I, I love Blind Tiger. Everyone kind of it's like the go to place in New York City. We're really lucky the way that people look at us like that, and um, you know we've had a long history. A lot of people have come through there. Maybe they were working I don't know at the Chelsea Brewery and. <laughs> um, they, you know, hung out there while they were working someplace or, you know, it was the go-to bar before there were beer bars all over. And so, you know, we get a lot of, you know, really, you know, treated very nicely by a lot of people. That's great. It's funny you mentioned Chelsea Brewery because uh, we've got another brewer here, too, Christian uh, from, from Gun Hill Brewing that just opened. And, Chris, you were the longtime brewer at, at Chelsea Brewing as well. Yeah, I was the brewer there for 11 years. Uh, actually, 12 years head brewer for 11 years. Did you bring any beer? Yes, I did. I was just going to look for it. It's got to be. In yeah, a let's try, let's taste some gunner. Yeah. We, we, I was the, had the privilege of, of spending a day with you up at the brewery in North Bronx uh, for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there in, in the Gun Hill Road area of the Bronx, North Bronx. Uh, you know, for the Bronx part of our our five borough show. Well, uh, when you look at our neighborhood, it seems like a rather unlikely location for a microbrewery, but it's working out very well for us. We've been warmly embraced by the neighborhood. Uh, we get a lot of people walking in. You know, our tasting room that basically functions like a bar has been very busy. We get people in. Uh, on a very regular basis, we're doing very steady business there, moving a fair amount of beer right in-house. Of course, we're geared to produce beer for distrib- self-distribution in kegs to various bars and restaurants across the city. Um, that's a focus of our business, but our in-house business has done quite well in the neighborhood, and it seems the neighborhood has embraced us well. Well, it's, it's a nice brewery. I mean, a lot, a lot of the breweries that we've seen open, like uh, Finback and Glendale Queens, uh, single cut in a store, and you guys, Gun Hill, up in the North Bronx. It's like you guys took over like some old warehouse space. It's like unlimited space and high ceilings and a little bit out of the way, right? So you got to tr- kind of travel from the subway. Yeah, we're not really easy to get to for people in Manhattan or Brooklyn. Well, especially Brooklyn. It's a little easier for Manhattanites. but uh, And it's not that difficult to drive. Typically, parking in the neighborhood's not that bad if you drive. So everyone's that. just, there's a lot of people in this room, and everybody's just kind of like, Sampling the beer and like Ken's like kind of snapping his lips together. This is this is creamy. He just, t- you taste for us. Let's do an on-air tasting. <laughs> taste it for us, Ken. Let's see what the noises you're making. I'm so used to being overhopped these days. This is just nice and creamy. And what what beer is this? Is this one of Chris's beer? This is the Gun Hill. Oh, the pomegranate. Yeah, we got the pomegranate uh, wheat going. It's. Uh, uh, a wheat ale, I put pomegranate fruit juice concentrate in it, and I really like the way the pomegranate shows in the beer. It gives it a very tart character. Not, without being sweet, it's not like a sweet, fruity beer. It's a very pleasant, fruity, tart finish. How, for you, when, when, when did you first start brewing at Chelsea Brewing? I started there in 97, late 97, after briefly working at the old Neptune Brewery that used to be in Manhattan. I don't know if anyone in the room room remembers that, but there was a brewery in what is now the Chelsea Ken, have Market you ever heard building. Of it? Neptune? I never even heard of it. <clears throat> Zip yep. City is as far back as I go. Yeah, that used to be on the sixth floor of the building, the old Nabisco building where the Chelsea Market is located now. There was a brewery there. I worked wow. there for three months before I jumped over to Chelsea. And then how, how have things changed since then for you? Like, you know, things like the equipment. You know, we, we know the scenes changed, but the equipment, is the, your approach to making beer, has it changed much since then? My approach to making beer hasn't changed a tremendous amount. Of course, you know, experience gives you uh, the many years of experience since have given me different perspective, but my philosophy has always been pretty much the same. What's that? 
I like to <laughs> stick, for the most part, I stick straight to uh, traditional styles uh, or West Coast styles. My career began in California, so I definitely have a bit of a West Coast approach. I'm a big fan of working with the Hopjack. I worked with Hopjack in California. I'm still using a Hopjack now at Gun Hill. I had a Hopjack at Chelsea. What, what's a Hopjack? It's basically a big strainer that you fill up with whole leaf hops, and when you cast the wort out of the kettle on, while it's hot, you run the wort through a bed of whole, whole flower hops, and it imparts all sorts of extra aroma and flavor to the beer. We've got some homebrewers here, too. Another part of New York City is the homebrew scene. There's so many great homebrew clubs, and these guys are representing Brooklyn today. we got Simon and Andrew uh, from the Knights of Brooklyn Homebrewers. And First, you can comment on what Chris said, but I'm also disappointed. It says that at, at your meetings... You guys wear little fez hats. We do wear fezes, yeah. But you didn't bring the fez hats. Because well, Maggie's, Maggie's going to take pictures of everybody. Uh, and, oh, had I known know. it was more like a TV program, I would have brought the fezes. But figured we were on, a, on air, so it wasn't necessary. I'm dressed for radio. You get, Simon, get closer to you. So, so uh, what Chris was just talking about, the hop check, is that you guys, one thing I found in the city is that the homebrewers seem to know the most about beer. You guys get a chance to experiment, and, uh, you know, you're probably the... the, the biggest beer enthusiast going and that's one thing another thing i want to say about a thriving beer city is that in addition to great craft beer bars that have were the first and then the breweries that have followed it's the homebrew scene underneath it all that that's bringing such people with interest in learning and talent and all that so cheers to you guys man but you didn't bring your fezzes <laughs> sorry about that yeah we brought plenty of beer to share so and jimmy that, that uh, ipa i think you had a taste of that earlier it's uh, a hoppy it's an ipa kind of something that i'm really focused on and do a lot of and I don't use the hop backs very often, um, but I do a ton of whirlpool hopping, which is similar. Dump the hops in when the boil's done, let them sit for 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, that, I think, is a great way to get a similar effect if you don't have the equipment to do, you know, the full hop back transfer. Um, I've had great success with it. I love that particular technique. Chris, what about... Well, uh, I personally feel that you do get a different character from whole leaf hops. It is quite different from pelletized hops. It's a softer, more rounded character, and that's what I like about using uh, the whole leaf hops in the hop jack. So how is that different when, when you're buying beer? You know, we're trying to get there's a lot of knowledge in this room. We're showcasing the diversity in New York City beer, and, and, we're, and we're getting everybody together. We've got a chef coming in soon from Brooklyn Brewery, so a lot to talk about. But let's, let's hold that thought. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hi, I'm Damon Bolte host of The Speakeasy. This summer, Heritage Radio Network is turning five years old. Since our launch in 2009, we've continued to bring you food and culture content like no one else. And we need, absolutely need your help. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a passionate, grassroots, action-oriented, nonprofit organization. That means we depend on the support from listeners like you to keep us alive. If you love what you hear on Heritage Radio Network, Visit our website and become a member today. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. So, you like good beer? Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, by the way, if you're not a member yet, go to heritageradionetwork.org and join up. Uh, I'm a member for the second year, and uh, heritageradionetwork.org, that's our, our mother station. And okay. uh, if you're not a member, you, sh- you should join up. It's a great Very thing good. to do, Ken. we got Ken from Kilmyers here. Thanks to GreatBrewers.com, our sponsor. We're talking with Catherine from Blind Tiger, Chris Sheen, the brewer at Gun Hill, Marcus from Rockaway, and Simon and Andrew from uh, the Knights of the... Knights of Brooklyn Homebrewers Century. Homebrew. All right. So we just, we just left. Again, I'm just giving that one more pitch. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
This is like NPR. It's, it's non-profit radio. We, we do need members to join, and uh, a lot of you are joining. There's going to be a lot of specials out there. I think you can get uh, Jimmy's number 43 gift certificate next week. So there's a lot of cool stuff uh, going on. But you guys, we just had this really intense conversation. Chris Sheehan, who's, who's one of the more established brewers in New York City, he was at Chelsea Brewing for a long time, and now he's at Gun Hill. He was talking a little bit about, about how he, what kind of hops he works with. And you're talking about hop leaf versus pellets, and that's something that I, I didn't really know a lot about. And Simon and Andrew, the homebrew experts here, you guys have a quick conversation. What were you saying, Simon? You had a, well, a good question. You know, there's really good points that there are hop flavors that come out of whole leaf hops that are sometimes lost in pelletized hops. Um, my personal reason, and I'm a home brewer, I have a very small apartment, um, I can fit about three pounds of pelletized hops in my freezer, um, along with all our frozen food and our ice pops. And, you know, um, if I had space, I might do a lot more with whole hops. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main reasons why uh, so few brewers do use whole leaf hops. It's because of the storage. And furthermore, the uh, pelletized hops store better in general unless you have them packed in like uh, mini bales and depending on what your usage is like. Uh, I used to work at a brewery where we would get whole bales and we had to break the whole bale up into little packets. And, that must and, have been fun. And yeah, it was a lot of work to pack it all away. And we had to make special racks in our uh, cooler for storing them. So the logistics involved there can be a little challenging. It, at Gun Hill right now, it's not a problem. I have a big rack and a very large walk-in cooler that we have. So I don't have any uh, problem keeping them cool and pro- properly stored. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. Yeah, I was going to say, um, what's pretty fun about being a home brewer is that uh, a lot of people, a lot of home brewers, don't have a lot of space, but on their, you know, on their fire escapes and their backyards, they're growing hop plants. And so every year you make like a wet hop beer at the end of the season, uh, and it's pretty fun. So it's maybe not as, as technical. You're not going to know what the alpha acids are in, in the hop, um, but you're still going to be able to make a really terroir-driven kind of beer out of your own backyard, which is pretty cool. Um, I actually brew with a, uh, with a partner, and his family started a mini little hop farm in Virginia. And so they have like 20 hop plants, and every year we go down, we pick those hops, bring them back up to New York, and uh, make a, a wet hop beer uh, with Excellent. that. So, right. yeah, kind of yeah, Chris, one more thing. So you are one of the more established brewers in New York City. So where is your first brew ever? Uh, at the Triple Rock Brewery in Berkeley. It was my first professional job. Uh, that led. I worked there part time for three months, and that led to a full time position at the Twenty Tank Brewery in San Francisco, which is under the same ownership. The John and Reed Martin brothers are very well established in the Bay Area. They now own Drake's Brewing, which is a pretty well established and large microbrewery out there as well. Some other people worked there as well. Who else came out of that same brewery? Uh, yeah, Jeff up at Peak Skill worked there for a little while, but uh, Dave Yarrington at Smutty Nose uh, wow. was Catherine, you know mine. everybody. Ah. <laughs> Come on, get over on the microphone. I'm trying to get you to talk. We need a, we need some women in beer stars here. Yeah, Ka- Catherine You're our best talking. one. You know that. Yeah. You probably know more about beer in the city than any other woman. So No, it was fun. We were talking, and I, I, and I said, who else came out of you know that brewery? And he started saying, well, not, not anyone I can really think of. And then he's like, Chief from Peak Skill, Dave Yarrington from Smutty Nose, and I was like, those are the people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hired Dave, as a matter of fact, <laughs> for his first brewing job. I, I like to say I taught him everything he knew, which is not really true at all. But <laughs> well, so cheers to old school brewing. We've got some, got some things going on here in New York City. It's a great month, July, good beer month. And we got one, another guy just walked in. Uh, we also have we have home brewers and, and breweries and, and, and bar owners, but we've also got breweries now are hiring chefs to do special tastings and things. And, and Andrew, uh, nice to see you, buddy. Good to see you. I've known you for a while, and uh, you've got one of the coolest jobs in New York. Tell us about your job at Brooklyn Brewery. It's pretty awesome. Um, so I kind of represent our brand in a culinary capacity. Um, most of my time is spent on a tour called The Mash. It's an arts and culture festival. It's uh, food, film, music, books, and beer. It's a 12-city international tour. And really the idea is showcasing the folks that make all of these cities dynamic. Um, So it's the artists, the craftsmen, the brewers, the artisans, the chefs, and artists that are making those cities vibrant and adding to that sort of cultural community in those cities. Um, What's really cool is I I spend most of my time on the road, but we're actually starting a dinner series called Dinner Party um, tomorrow. Uh, The first dinner is with the uh, Kaizen Trading Company or the Momofuku Test Lab. 
Um, and the whole idea of this series is really working with our friends and collaborating with amazing producers um, in our food system, in our local food system. So it's uh, we're doing seafood dinners. We're working with Kaizen Trading Co. We're working with Ben over at Brooklyn Grange and that whole crew. Um, we're doing a grain dinner, a dairy dinner, and really sort of looking at our, our local food system and all of the different players that make that up and being able to showcase them. Uh, but really it's about celebrating them. So it's 40 to 50 people coming together to break bread and have a wonderful evening sort of based around those. You products. have the best job I know, man. So Brooklyn Brewery hired a chef to go and, and represent them. And I think it's a real continuation of Garrett Oliver, our brewmaster's philosophy. I mean, he was on the founding board of Slow Food. He's been really involved in supporting our local food system, be it beverages and trying to source locally. Um, we just put out a green market wheat beer this year um, that's sourced over 70% local or 80% local ingredients. Um, and we'd like to do a lot more. Unfortunately, it's not that the East Coast doesn't have great hop production or great barley production. It's that no one's processing it. So it's this lost art of maltsters, of hop pelletizers, of people that can work these pro these ingredients, you know? Um, so I think the next big move in craft beer is really towards finishing these products and being able to bring local grain and local hops to market and have those available. So that, to me, is the most exciting thing happening in craft beer is just sort of finding those artisans that are willing to help us get local product. I mean, listen, Europe makes great malt, but we grow great barley too. Um, so there's a lot of ways that I think we can start sourcing locally and cutting down on that footprint and just getting great grain and great hops that are available. No, for sure, man. So um, what's your menu for t so tomorrow night's the first dinner party. What's the menu? Tomorrow night's fun. So, I mean, really, we're showcasing what, what Kaizen Trading Company is doing. So they've been – they're fermenters just like us, and they're making really cool products. They're doing two products called Banji and Hozan. Um, instead of using soy, they're basically doing traditional Japanese and Asian ferments, but instead of using soy with a koji starter – koji is a mm – -hmm. A He's a pitcher for basically. the Boston Red Sox. Exactly. Exactly. So Won they take the, the Red Series. Sox. That's right. And they inoculate the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> and they get these beautiful things. Oh, so gee. they're doing a paste, which is really similar to a miso, except not soy-based. Um, and then they're doing these essences, or banji, they call it, which is essence in Japanese. Um, and it's like a soy sauce-esque thing. But basically what they're doing is they're playing with this idea of umami, or the fifth taste. Um, and they're, they're using chickpeas and lentils, um, sweet potatoes, uh, other mediums to grow this koji starter and inoculate. Um, and they're doing ferments, you know, from a week up to two years. Um, but this is a lab that, you know, Daniel Burns started it with, with David Chang. I don't know. Some crazy shit, ago. man. They're doing some cool shit. So, well, you so, guys, I, so for, for Brooklyn Brewery, you guys, guys are, you guys are. As a brewery, to, to spend all this time, you guys are really pushing it, the food and beer thing. I think it's important. I think, you know, so many people associate wine and, wine and food, and they don't really associate beer and food. And that's something that Garrett and our, you know, our whole team at Brooklyn has been so strongly advocating for. I mean, Garrett wrote The Brewmaster's Table, um, the sort of the definitive guide to food and beer pairing. I mean, it's something that we've really been supporting and believed in for you know 25 years 26 years now um and i think finally this sort of it was my my position was a natural progression i think garrett can only be so many places and so many times i think you know he says he's done over 900 beer dinners in the last 20 so years that he's been at brooklyn we're actually celebrating his 20th anniversary this year um, but this dinner Cheers series. Cheers to Garrett Oliver. How about that? Yeah. Totally. Talk about yeah. New York City yeah. beer. Well, well, Andrew, slow down for a second. to boot. Awesome. Andrew, hold on. So since you start, you're talking about food and, and breweries and stuff, so Ken and, and Catherine, you guys want to say anything else about like the food that's part of beer scenes, beer bars, breweries that you've been around? I do. I mean, I think Brooklyn Brewery has been in the forefront, and I think linking that fermentation, especially with what the – the Kaizen Lab, I think it's called, the Malifuko mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. I think that, you know, linking those ideas are so important. It's something that, you know, we've had a lot of thought about at the Tiger. And so, you know, one of the things is 
we always have kimchi or some fermentation aspect to most of the meals that we offer there just because we think it's a perfect match. And the way that things are exploding with that are just amazing well, I, to me. I, I just see a natural correlation between the idea of cooking and, and transforming. I mean, brewing is transforming. Cooking is transforming these sort of base ingredients into something magical. And there's science and there's alchemy and there's creativity and all these things combine to make either a great beer or a great kimchi or a ferment or a great plate of food. So I... I, I you know, see- Andrew, you sound like someone I know. <laughs> I know you, but he sounds like Patrick Martins. All right. Our, our founder that. of Heritage Radio I'll Network. He really does. But like, Ken, Ken, so you've done a lot with food and yeah. restaurants too. So what do you think? Well, Garrett's the man. I mean, I've had his book for like 20 years on the shelf of my of my office. And I, I've actually tried to reach Garrett to get him to come to one of the little beer festivals that I've done on the island. But he's a busy man. But I, I think the impact of his work is that you go to a lot of beer bars and everything now, and a lot of restaurants, and they actually have pairing um, you know, suggestions Try this with this beard, and and I think a lot of that has to do with Garrett Oliver and, and the work that he's done. Well, you know, you're in the, you're in the south end of Staten Island. Yes, you're sir. so part of New York City. I know you get neglected, <laughs> but maybe Andrew can get 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 someone from Brooklyn Brewery to come down. Oh, that would be nice. Reality, you, you know, Dude, you guys should do a tour of, of the five boroughs, Andrew. How totally. about that? So we do what's cool. I mean, we our whole marketing department. We go out once a month, last Friday of every month, and we visit a local brewery. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, people look, and I look at it in the same way the local food system and, and sustainable food movement. People think, oh, you live in Brooklyn, every every place is farm to table, and everyone has craft beer, but craft beer is 10% of the market, and local food is not competing in any way with, you know, Cisco and all these companies and Monsanto, and so I think it's still Monsanto. really important to promote these values as much as it seems like it's ubiquitous Wait, and say this that stuff again, is say happening. Say Monsanto because Ken was just laughing. <laughs> let's move on. This, this, Andrew, you've you got a wealth of knowledge and we're, and we're talking. Let's keep this thing going. So, totally. uh, The Knights of Brooklyn dudes, I just tasted one of your beers. It's, what is it? Uh, you are drinking a um, soured uh, um, imperial stout. Yeah. So we, 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 we dropped this out at about 10.30 for you home brewers. That's residual sugar. Uh, and then we pitched some wild yeast into it to kind of fully you know, finish out the fermentation. So it's a nice balance of like chocolate with kind of tartness, a little bit of black cherry in there. Yeah, cherry I taste. Yeah. That is a crazy beer. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at first it was, like, it was bitter and sour. Yeah. 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 Once it opens think? up, it's a bit Christian. What do you I think like is it. it's a, you know the it's got the right balance of the sourness but there's some sweetness to back it up and that's one of the arts to making anything sour you have to have something to back up the sourness. You know as a pro brewer do you, do you ever get to just make test batches and mess around or do you feel like you're just focused on, on making production cuz Yeah, I don't have a pilot system hard. and I don't home brew anymore so when I experiment I'd have to experiment at the 30 barrel level. <laughs> but you still made it. that that pomegranate beer is really good. So when you first opened up, tell us, you, you had a few beers when you, when you guys opened just, just this past year. Right. What were, what were those, the, the uh, core we, beer, beers? The core brands them? are the uh, Gunhill Gold and the Gunhill IPA. Those are the two flagships that we're going to keep going. Uh, we're going to rotate through different styles of stouts so far. We had the Thunderdog Stout. I do have a sample of our Void of Light, which is a foreign-style stout here. And... Uh, then I'm going to work with other seasonals. I have a summer wheat on. We're calling it Skyler's American Wheat. I uh, did uh, start out with our first special was uh, called Chris, Defrosted Hot. How was at the brewery? Why did you name it Skyler's? There's some history up there. And, and yeah, Gun, it's Hill Road in the Bronx. Talk about New York City beer. Yeah, well, Skyler's actually uh, the name comes from the wife of a uh, general Bad. during the uh, Patriot general during the Revolutionary War. Who burns her? Ken knows it. I thought, no, I thought it was the wife in Breaking Bad's name, Skyler. <laughs> she burned her fields of wheat to uh, prevent the British from harvesting it because they were short on provisions, and so they, uh, she set fire to their fields of wheat in order to keep it away from the British army. And she was actually up in the Albany area, but there also is, is uh, an area of uh, Bronx called Skyler. Uh, there's Skylerville in upstate New York, but I remember reading about an, an area of the Bronx also called Skylerville. So, Chris, you're a real resource, and we're taking a break in a minute, but you're a real resource. You've been professionally brewing for a long time, and do you get to meet a lot of uh, young new brewers? I mean, are people coming to you and asking for advice and 
things like that? Yeah, sometimes I have people uh, asking me for advice. It's more common with homebrewers. I always invite homebrewers to bring their own homebrewed beer in, and I'll critique it and see if I can help to guide them in any way that their beer needs improvement. If it tastes great, I'll tell them it tastes great. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to ask tough questions of all these guys from the Five Bar New York Beer Scene on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Everybody in the room, let's cheers. July, Good Beer Month, the sixth year. We're here in New York City. We've got breweries, cheers. craft beer bars, good beer seal bars, home brewers, and, and actually breweries that are hiring chefs now, too. So much is going on. Um, we're drinking some great beers. And uh, first, if you're on Twitter right now, the question is to check out at beer underscore sessions. It's actually, and this is a good question. We've got Marcus from Rockaway Brewing. And what's the question? The question is, where do we make our beer? Where does Rockaway Brewing actually make their beer? And that's a big story for some people. We can't answer that, but if you check, check us out, at beer underscore sessions, you can. So we're talking about, so, so homebrewers, you guys are bringing the, you know, we've got Chris Sheehan here. This is like the, the day of discovery. I mean, I've got Ken Torado, who I met on a trip to South South Staten Island, I want to say Jersey. He's got one of the Almost. oldest bars in New York City, doing great stuff with craft beer. And, and, and Catherine from Blind Tiger, it's also an institution. But then we've got new brewers. We've got Marcus from Rockaway Brewing. No one knows where he brews. And we've got Chris Sheehan, who is one of the, the longstanding brewers in New York City. And now uh, Andrew Gerson from Brooklyn Brewery, who's their, their traveling chef, doing all kinds of magical things coming up. In fact, tomorrow night, July 16th, uh, the dinner party's happening. So, but, but the core of it all is this, this really thriving homebrew scene in New York City. And Simon and Andrew came in. They're from the Knights of the Brooklyn Homebrewers. Well, first, Catherine, she had a question. Because they, they, they talk about what they do and all this stuff, but they didn't deliver, did they? No, I want to know about these fez hats. The Fez Hats. Uh, Kevin Avanzado, who is uh, one of the managers of Union Hall, uh, uh, he dreamed it up. Uh, if you go to Union Hall, they have all these old pictures of you know men from 100 years ago or 80 years ago all wearing these red fezes. And somehow he got it in his head that, yeah, homebrewers should be doing the same thing too. So uh, so now we, have, now we wear blue fezes with yellow tassels and there's a big patch on it. And Who's the grand poobah? <laughs> uh, whoever wins the competition this year. So how, how many homebrew clubs, like official homebrew clubs, are there in New York City right now, would you estimate? Oh, man. I don't know. I would say Nine? Five, five or six major ones, probably a lot more if you go on a smaller level. Yeah, there's certainly three at least in Brooklyn, one in New York, two in, New, uh, two in Manhattan. Um, yeah, no, yeah, probably seven or eight. I'd it's pretty say. thriving. It is. So yeah. what, you, tell us about the beers you've made tonight because each of your beers is definitely unique and interesting in a way that homebrew can only be. Uh, I had mentioned before, right now we're drinking a, uh, an imperial stout that, uh, that we soured with uh, various uh, lactobacillus microbes and a little bit of brett to uh, dry it out and give it kind of a nice tart, uh, funky flavor that kind of plays against like the chocolate malt so you get this black cherry uh, and just a little bit of earth uh, behind it and Simon poured a beer earlier uh, I poured a, a double IPA which is a beer that I love, I hold near and dear it was actually a beer that won first place in the Long Island um, Brewers East End Revival Homebrew Competition uh, last month very happy about that wanted to share the wealth you know that Marcus? No. <laughs> I, I have to say that homebrewing is, is an amazing – it's kind of an amazing place in New York City. Ethan and I were homebrewing for five years before we started Brockway Brewing, and it's, it's just we, – we were in a homebrew club, and it's just amazing what people try out there. Ethan and I do really solid styles, really like st- two traditional styles, but people would just come up with these crazy recipes, and I 
tilt my hat to them because it's amazing having so many people experimenting with this medium. It's really exciting right now to sort of taste all the different flavors and then take that in and make your own beer. It's so true. Chris, did, what's the next beer? Is it your IPA? Let's I pass it on. Make sure IPA everybody has beer. some of the Gun Hill IPA, too. The IPA I had some earlier, it's fantastic. Thank you. It's my wheelhouse, and I really enjoyed that beer. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we, uh, that's uh, Simcoe and Citra in the Hopjack. I have to use, uh, I do use pelletized hops in my kettle. Most breweries hey. don't have the ability to put uh, whole leaf hops in their kettle because of the logistics of getting them out. It's complicated. But uh, in any case, uh, this also is dry hopped with Simcoe at the end as well. The other thing about our brewery is we don't filter anything either. So I don't even have a filter. And so uh, by not filtering, it really allows all that extra hop character to come through. Yeah, you don't filter out the flavors. Exactly. Yeah, in Rockaway, we actually put, we have these big uh, cotton sacks that we throw the whole leaf hops in. We have a smaller, probably a smaller brew system than Gun Hill. It's a five barrel. So we can just put them all in a big cotton sack, put it in at the end of the boil. And, and uh, you know, put our whole leaf hops in that way, and then we can extract it before it goes out of there because that gets a real, it gets to be a real problem when you have whole leaf hops gumming up the whole works. Sure. Yep. Marcus, do you use whole leaf or pellets for your flavor and dry hop? Uh, the majority of it is pellets. We use um, whole leaf hops for our uh, pale ale and our IPA. So we'll do that. We have a hop back also. We use that in at the end after the boil as we're transferring. A hop back or a hop jack? I, I call it a hop back. Well, I've been told I actually met a brewer who is an Oxford graduate. He's one of the most knowledgeable and experienced brewers that I ever met. Uh, he was the brewer at Susquehanna Brewing Company. And he told me that uh, hop jack actually is the proper term. The term hop back means it holds the hops back. So it is actually a device used for brewers who put whole leaf hops in their kettle and it catches the hops as the wort exits the kettle whereas a hop jack is actually used for an additional an addition of hops and running the wort through hops so from my understanding and according to him hop jack is the proper term hop back is a proper term but for a different context that's actually for with holding the hops so coming if, out of the kettle like, one beer I know troves the hop back amber does that imply that they're using a certain technique, or that's just a branding? Uh, I you don't know. I can't speak for Trogues. Maybe no. Catherine. Knows. Nobody <laughs> Maybe knows. Catherine. I think it's primarily branding, but I think they also do use it. But of course, it's a great name, so that's yeah. that's the appeal. So, Catherine, you're in the middle of all this stuff. Everybody comes to you at Blind Tiger. They pitch you beers and taste your own beers. So, uh, how do you do it? <laughs> I mean, you have to say no to a lot of people, don't you? I do, but. Um, I try to say no in the best way possible, which is that, you know, the Blind Tiger, I'm, you know, super lucky because I've got so many astute customers. And if there's a brewery out there that, let's say they just started and, you know, I don't know, it's new equipment or it's, you know, a larger size or, you know, there's certain things that they're not scaled to, they're not quite ready for the Blind Tiger. That's just, you know, I, I tell them that it's my opinion that, you know, they're not quite ready. I think they've got a good thing going if they do. You know, and I'll, I'll tell them to come back. Or if they really push for it, I'll say, okay, we'll try you out. But know that if, it's, if, if the customers feel like it's not ready, they'll let me know. And then I can't reorder that beer for, I don't know, nine months, a year, you know, a long time. And so I really try to, you know, hold people back when they're new in the market. So you're saying if, if they rush it, it actually damages their brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm always about trying to protect the brewery and the brand. It's like, I'm, you know, I think we're all good people. We're all trying to do good things. Most of us do. Um, but at the same time, almost everything that I do is like just really trying to protect the brewery, really trying to protect the brand. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people wait that nine months, they come back and I'm like, absolutely, let's go. And it's a great, you know, startup. So when someone comes to you, like say it's, have you ever s sold Rockaway beer? So, so Rockaway beer. Yeah, is never, so, how would you pitch her too? Because I want to know. <laughs> Rockaway beer has never never been uh, sold at Blind Tiger, and there's a good reason for it. Actually, I've never gone to sell it to them. Um, I and and to this point, I actually feel like we weren't ready. I feel like we need to be. Uh, you know, I'm self distributing. I put all the beer in my my car and drive it around the city. For one thing, logistically, it's hard to get to. It's like a madhouse over where your bar is. But secondly. Um, you know, we will graduate to, you know, going to the Glen Tiger to sell our beer at some point. Right now, our, our local markets are so, are so strong. There's so much 
um, enthusiasm in Long Island City and Astoria, Brooklyn, that we we do go to uh, Manhattan, but really just the Lower East Side and East Village, where we can deliver it, logistically speaking. And so, yeah, one day we will come to the Blind Tiger and, and taste with you. I'd say but this summer saison is pretty good. What do you think of it, Catherine? I think it's delicious. I think it's really nice. I think uh, some of that uh, Kolsch aspect actually comes out really strong. And, you know, that makes it a really nice, easy drinking beer for the season. All right. And, Chris, one thing I'll say, uh, to your credit, I mean, when did Gone Hell officially start making beer? Uh, we had our soft opening. Uh, the actual first batch of beer was January 31st. That's the day I brewed it. And you know, it's, it's I, I don't want to say too much about it, but it, I, I've never had a bad beer from you. And, and Catherine's right. There's so many breweries coming on market that th- th- I think they're rushing sometimes. And we've had, we've had some beers on, on draft. We're like, you know what? It's not quite right. But you definitely, like, the new brand, like you guys and, and Finback in particular, have not made a bad beer, even though they're starting out, you know, ready to go. So I don't think about that kind of, I mean, you, do a lot of people pitch you? Cause you you're yeah, like, Catherine is um, a tougher than I am. I have a different, uh, <laughs> I, I actually have a different strategy. I have, uh, I'm known for having one of the larger beer lists on Staten Island. I have about 200 beers. Uh, and I'll take, like, I had Roscoe Beer uh, Brewery come down. And I said, yeah, sure, let me, I'll, I'll try a case. And, th- and that's my thing. I'll, I'll try a case, and I'll let the market decide whether or not the customers want it or not. You know, Then I'll reorder it, or I won't. For instance, Sly Fox Brewery, uh, um, they, they make a good product, but for some reason I can't give it away. <laughs> so, uh, so when they come, and uh, I don't reorder that one. And I, I kind of judge it that way. I'm, I'm kind of a softy, you know, and I, I kind of sympathize. I go, okay, I'll give you a shot. I'll try a case or a keg or whatever. Ken, you're a great operator, man. And, uh, you know, you first opened Adobe's Blue also, yeah. right? So you're really like the, the main craft beer guy in, in Staten Island. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. But it, it's over the last 22 years, like, everybody's sort of jumped on the bandwagon. And now you can go to the, any bar on Staten Island and you can get like, a, a decent selection of beer. Where in the past, it was like, you know, Coors, Heineken, you know, Molson. Oh, All our listeners, if, if, yeah. if you're in New York City in the summer, it's, take the trip to the, the south end of Staten Island. Go to Kilmars. It's nice. It's an old German bar. When did, when was it first built? Eighteen fifty nine. It's one of the oldest in New York it City. It has the same yeah. feeling. What's that? You got that funky old draft system that's beautiful, right? It's yeah, well, copper. Actually, I, I have to update you. Uh, I did redo my draft system, but just by necessity, not by want. But uh, I recently, believe it or not, I am the uh, the proud owner of the world's largest Hummel. I am a German restaurant, and the Hummel plant in New Jersey went out of business, and they had to get rid of their Hummel. So I have an eight-foot, six-inch Hummel in front of the restaurant. What's a Hummel? It's one of those little, little Bavarian figurines uh, Chris, that everybody's grandmother has. Everybody's grandmother <laughs> has. But we're talking about draft systems. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I'm just, just Take away his microphone. Right. <laughs> Let's go around the room. Okay. So the last beer we had, Chris from Gone Hill. This is a great beer. It's a stout, right? Yeah, it's a foreign style stout. Foreign style. Tell us more. What does foreign style mean? (laughs) It's foreign style, otherwise called export stout. It's uh, basically a high alcohol. It's a stout that's very common in the Caribbean and in the tropics in Southeast Asia. Um, If you've ever been to uh, the Caribbean and had Guinness there, the Guinness export stout Mm -hmm. that they sell down there is very different from any Guinness that you get here. It's 7.5% alcohol. This is 7.9. It's very dark, very intensely roasty. It's almost imperial stout-like, but uh, it's a little different uh, with an emphasis on the roasted malts. Yes, absolutely. Catherine, so in terms of like pitching you a blind tiger... So would you carry this beer? This is an awesome beer. No, I'd absolutely carry it. And I've carried Gunhill beers in the past. You have already? I look forward to doing it. Yes, so, I have. Which beers have you carried? I've carried the IPA and what's the red ale? The yeah. red rye. The yeah. red rye. Yeah. And so when they reach out to you, just tell us like your experience because it's like, you know, brewer so, meets bar owner. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so they emailed me and said we'd like to come in and taste you out on some beers. I said, great, we'd set a time. They came in and, you know, tasted some beers, and I said, yeah, you know, I'd like to pour that. And so I ordered the IPA, I think, was the first one I ordered. Yeah, You guys are tough cookies. Let's go around the room and just wrap it up. You guys have been really great. Um, We try to cover everything. We've got five barrows here. We've got home brewers, brewery chef, brewers, and bar owners. And I really appreciate you all coming out. 
talking about the diversity of, of craft beer in New York City. So, uh, everybody, thanks so much for coming out. I'll give you a quick shout-out to some things going on. First of all, uh, Andrew, give us a quick shout-out about your dinner party series. Yeah, so for more information, go to brooklynbrewery.com. But we're doing a dinner once a month for the rest of the year and all through next year featuring local producers. So come out, break bread with us. It's for good people, good food, and good beer coming together. All right, number one, community. I'm going to push the, uh, the Beer Film Festival July 29th. Some great uh, beer videos by Beer Nation TV, Happy Hour Guys, Six Points, Sierra Nevada Beer Camp, and... Rockaways, you might see their canning uh, Kickstarter video, which is a pretty good movie. Anybody else want to make any announcements? Catherine? Yeah, I've, I've got a big event tomorrow at the Blind Tiger, Christmas in July. A lot of times we feel like a lot of the Christmas and winter beers need a little time to really come to fruition, so we like to throw this event in the middle of July when it's really hot out and everyone wants to drink really strong, deep, no, it, dark it, it beers. It makes a lot of sense. They're really big, strong, Belgian-style beers. They, they, take, they need time, and I think Chris yeah. will probably agree with me, right? Yes, absolutely. Oh, sure. And I would also like to point out with the uh, Void of Light, uh, I actually just put a bunch of that in barrels. So we have that barrel aging about six weeks down the road from now. People can expect to see that hitting limited markets Chris, out I'm, in the I'm city. so glad you came on the show, and thanks for sharing that beer. It's awesome. And the homebrew. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, if you want to try some homebrew on uh, Sunday, we're, it's the Knights of Brooklyn Finals at the Bell House uh, from noon till 4 o'clock. Uh, come down. There's 16 different homebrews on draft. I'll be pouring a uh, coffee stout, and I'll be pouring a smoked brown ale. And will you guys wear your fez hats? We will have our fez hats. You, you can better, see them in action. Oh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and Ken, Kilmars. Uh, well, we have our summer beer menu just got kicked off a couple of weeks ago. And this Sunday, we're having a benefit for uh, Mamie Smith, a blues singer. The blues community is going to come together in the beer garden and try to raise money to give her a, a tombstone. All right. And thanks to everyone coming out. I just want to let everyone know again that we try to sh- just give a little snapshot of just how diverse the New York City craft beer scene is. We cannot do it in one show. We do it all year round. But, guys, everybody, thanks for coming. Let's toast everybody. And, Mark, Cheers. one more thing. Cheers. Yeah, one more thing is, Jimmy, this Saturday we're actually – the beer you had, the uh, Summer Saison, is being released this Saturday at uh, in Far Rockaway at 106th Caracas Bar. So we're going to serve four beers there. We're going to have like a little mini beer fest at the Let's bar. Let's go to the Rockaways. Come on. Yeah. And again, check it out. Yeah. At Beer Underscore Sessions, where does Rockaway Brewing make their beer? And you get a free Rockaway Brewing T-shirt. I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to, I may miss some names, Andrew, Marcus, Simon, Andrew, Catherine, Ken, and Chris for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Did I miss someone's name? It's Nobody. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, thank Maggie you. Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our awesome engineer, executive producer dude, Jack Inslee, who's my god buddy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. <laughs> listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 non-profit to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening